This podcast was recorded at Redemption Alhambra Village in Phoenix, Arizona. For more information about Redemption Alhambra Village, visit redemptionaz.com. Church, it's been a huge joy for me to study along with, uh, with you through Ephesians. And one of the things that we can do as we enter into texts together is uh, miss the, the power of what's being displayed because of we're so used to taking scriptures and trying to boil them down to what do I get out of this, okay? And, and without trying to be brash, I want us to know that kind of interpretation has hindered our revelation of scripture for a long time because scriptures are not about you. They're far more beautiful and far more wonderful. And so as we enter into the beginning of Ephesians, what you have to understand about what Paul is doing to set the tone of this whole book is he's basically starting it with a song of praise. Uh, So if you're coming in today for the first time, you're kind of entering into one verse three-fourths of the way through a whole song, right? This is a song of praise that is calling us to enter into it. And as we enter into these songs of praise, here's a a few things we have to understand about why it's so difficult for us to praise, to worship. The question is never, church, am I worshiping? That's never the question. Because we are always pouring out worship. We were created to worship, we are worshipers, we are worshiping. It's never am I worshiping, it is who I am worshiping or what I am worshiping. You could stand here and go, I ain't going to worship with these people. And you are worshiping yourself, but you are worshiping. You are always pouring out worship to what you deem to be worthy of your attention and your affection. So when you deem something worthy of your attention and affection, you pour out worship towards it. And you are pouring out worship towards it. And why it's so difficult to enter into a song of praise is because in this song, Paul is singing about the beauty and the wonder of Christ and his work and his plan. And this song is all about him. It keeps saying in him, in him, his plan, his purpose, his redemption. It keeps quoting, it keeps pointing us to him. We are so used to pouring our affection and attention upon other things that as we enter into worshiping the one who is truly worthy of all of our attention and affection, we want to go, what about me? I want some of that. Another thing as we go through a text like this, I don't want us to kind of misinterpret it because we're hearing all of these benefits now the way i want to set this in context before we read it again is i have been married to my amazing wife for almost 20 years if you don't know dana you're missing out in life right she is incredible dana is a gift from God. And when I married her 20 years ago as a young man, I thought I knew her. I thought, my goodness, she is 
beautiful. She's amazing. She has all these. I know her. She's, I want to marry her. I can't. I want to be in her life. And over the years, I have found things that I never knew before I got married. I've seen things in her that I've never seen before. And over the years, she just keeps getting better. The more we go through, the more we face, the more that is taking place. I just continue to see things I never saw before. She keeps blowing my mind. And, 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 and I don't think I could have even understood it 20 years ago when I married her, but I thought I did. But as time has gone on and as problems have arose and as things in life has taken place, in the context of our relationship, the more I see different parts, I'm like, man, she's blowing my mind. And as we read Ephesians chapter 1, 3 through 14, what you're seeing is Paul is looking at this God and he's pointing out things and it just keeps getting better after each line you could say if that wasn't enough and this if that wasn't enough and this so what i want you to hear today is not paul as a greasy used car salesman if you sell used car salesman i'm sure there's not a greasy way to do it right Trying to sell you on all of the benefits of Christ. He's not trying to sell the church of Ephesus on these benefits. He's merely rejoicing in all that they have been able to witness. And if it wasn't enough, he does this too. And if that wasn't enough, this happens. What? Seriously? More? Should blow our minds. And just when you think, man, I get God, the diamond gets turned. And you're like, what? And? So as we stand together and read Ephesians chapter 1, 3 through 14, Uh, Let's get captured in that song together as I read uh, and you hear. The reason we read the whole uh, text together is because I want us to not just zone in on 11 and 12. So let's stand together, but I want us to read the whole song and then we'll zone in on 11 and 12. So pay special attention to 11 and 12. That's where we'll be studying. But let's get caught up in this song of He Just Keeps Getting Better. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places, even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. In love, He predestined us for adoption to Himself as sons through Christ Jesus, according to the purpose of His will to the praise of His glorious grace in which He has blessed us in the Beloved. In Him we have redemption through His blood. 
The forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace, which He lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mysteries of His will according to His purpose, which He set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in Him, things in heaven and things on earth in Him. We obtained an inheritance, having predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will, so that we, who were the first to hope in Christ, might be to the praise of His glory. In Him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of salvation, and believed in Him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire the possession of it to the praise of His glory. And the church said, Amen. You may be seated. It just keeps getting better. It just keeps getting better. I want you to think about this. We talked about God didn't just state our value. He didn't just say, you are worth this. According to this song, he didn't just say, this is what you're worth. He says, look at this. This is who God is. You have this Father who loves you. And He has purpose before the foundations of time. He's blessed us with every spiritual blessing. We have this Father who not only has stated this work and is this and it's blessed us, but when we ran away and got trapped in slavery, this God came and redeemed us and delivered us and forgave us. And if that wasn't enough, there's more. That He has brought us in and He's lavished upon us grace after grace. He's poured it out upon us. And if that wasn't enough, He has this incredible plan of bringing all things together in Him. Heaven and earth was ripped apart because of sin. But in Christ, He is bringing all things back together. Back when there was no difference between the heaven and earth were one. He's bringing it back to that. In Christ, He has this work that He's going to accomplish. And as you're as his children, he's including you in telling you his plans. And if that wasn't enough, verse 11 starts with this line that I can't jump over too quickly for danger of missing why I think Paul continued to repeat this line in him, his keeps using this over and over in Him, in Him. His praise, His glory, His purpose, His plan. Why does He keep attaching the benefits to Him? 
Because we have a tendency to detach him from his benefits and go after the benefits apart from him. We're notorious for wanting the benefits of covenant apart from the covenant itself. We could say so many examples, but just think of how many of us would rather have the benefits of sex and intimacy without the covenant of actually having a relationship. So we rip it out of covenant and take its benefits, but don't want the relationship. We have a a term in our culture where, let's say, a beautiful young lady finds a rich old man. Marries the rich old man, waiting for him to die so that she can reap an inheritance apart from him. Now, I ain't saying we a gold digger, right? But the reason why I think Paul continues to repeat this in him is because we could get so excited about all the benefits and detach them from him. Because all of these things are not, hey, you can have this if you have Christ. All of these things are Paul looking at the beauty and the wonder, if you will, of all that Christ being caught up in this covenant and going, and more, and more, and more, just keeps getting better because I have Him. Church, I, I think if anything in this song of praise, what should be heightened in us is a deeper affection for Him. If there's anything we do throughout a text like this, is get caught up in all we have in the Father who is mentioned in the first section of this song, the Son who dominates the whole middle part, and then the Spirit at the end who just is the guarantee that He's placed in us, that you're going to see this trinitarian relationship between the father the son and the spirit and all of this is in them and then in this one god in this relationship that we have with him and and, and i pray that in our personal times and and in our communal times and in our corporate times if you will that in all of that what would dominate our lives would be we have him Oh, I pray that our hearts would be deeply consumed with what we have in Christ. Do not try and detach the benefits of Christ apart from Him because you can't. All of this that we sing about is in Him. But after we pause there for a moment for that reminder, 
he sings again of something else that we have received in him. And that is this word, we have obtained an inheritance. We've obtained an inheritance. Last week, it talked about the plan of God to reconcile all things, heaven and earth, in Christ. The plan to bring reconciliation. That what has been separated is being brought back together. And then out of that, as he goes, let me include you in my plan. He then says, while I'm including you in my plan, I want you to know I have all the riches to carry this thing out. There is an inheritance. Now, what's difficult with this is like the illustration I say. We believe inheritance is this. When old dad kicks the bucket, it's all mine. It's all mine. When he kicks the bucket, it's mine. I take it. I do what I want with it. Now, as that is our idea of what inheritance means, that's not a scriptural understanding of this or or even how they would understand it especially if we believe our father he ain't going nowhere right this inheritance how do you think and we'll share this story in a little bit but how do you think the prodigal son knew to come and say i want my inheritance apart from you he knew it was his part There's this sense that all that is in him is mine. And so when we hear the word inheritance, what I want us to hear is not waiting for him to die so I can have it. What I want us to see is that we have been included in all the wealth of the family of God. All his riches are ours. We didn't just get brought into a family. We didn't just get adopted into a family. We came into a royal family who lacks nothing. You didn't just get brought into a family who's scraping by. You got brought into a family who has all they need and more. And those riches are all in Him. And so what He's calling us into is not just His plan, but seeing that we have all the riches and we have a part of that. We get to experience that. And that this has been predestined or this has been a part of His thought and His idea and His plan Before time. Now why is this important? And I want you to look at verse 12. And I I do want to at least acknowledge this. Verse 12, there's different ideas and interpretations on this. But I, I, I want to try to kind of preach it from the way in which I, 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 I see it and, and other theologians, not just I made this up, but I'm gleaning from people who, who are studying this. And then just know there is some different thoughts. But verse 12 says this. It says that not only they have this inheritance, but it's so that we who were first to hope in Christ, the debate on what it, who's the first, to hope in Christ 
would be to the praise of his glory. Now, the reason why I would say this first to hope in Christ is referring to, not just because of Ephesians spends a lot of time on Jew and Gentile relationships, I I think that what he's driving at here is all throughout this song, there is a strong, strong narrative that's being told here, an Exodus narrative, a separation narrative, one in which They've been brought out of slavery uh, because of sin. They've been, they, they ran, they've been got caught in slavery. They've been brought out of and paid the price. They've been redeemed. They were brought back in and they're being taken into a promised land. This is this idea of when the Jewish singer, when the Israelite was, was singing this song with Paul, they're like, yeah, I've, this is my jam. I know this one. This is their song. The only remix is Paul keeps inserting Gentiles into the song. They're like, oh, this is my jam, but where did they come from? How do they get to be a part of this? The reason why I think this is important is because Paul is including Gentiles into this song of redemption, this song of God's purpose and plan, that this is not an accident, that this has actually been a part of his plan and that he's completed in Christ and he will complete when all things come together perfectly. And he says, those, we who were first included, we need to see this as to the praise of his glory. So we who were first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. And then the next verse, as Wayne is going to spend time in, in him, you also. So who is he saying you also to? So here's my, some of you are like, I, why, this doesn't have to do with me. I don't even know many Jewish people. I don't really care about their narrative, right? Which is our problem with studying scripture. How does this relate to me? Not how do I get caught up in the story of God. How do I get overwhelmed with the beauty of this and what is unfolding? We just want to know, what's my benefits? But this song is saying, and here's this church in Ephesus who has Jew and Gentiles, and one is singing, and then they're going, how did these people get in? And Paul's going, "Uh uh-uh. Ah, this has always been. This is their jam too. Uh Uh-huh. You get it? And he's calling them back to a, another story that's being told, which you, it's hard not to think of, is a story of the prodigal son. If you don't know the story of the prodigal son, uh, let me just kind of recap it for you. Uh, but you can go read it throughout different gospels. There's this idea of two sons. There's two sons in a house of a rich father. Let's say this father owns everything. One son comes to the father and goes, listen, I want my inheritance. I want my part apart from you. I want to run it. I want to do what I want to do with it. And I want to take it. And I want to, I want to determine what is good and evil, how to spend this. Goes off and spends that money like crazy. Squandering it on foolish things and building friendships off of this inheritance and and them taking advantage of him and what ends up happening in that prodigal son's life is he spends a season of joy and ends up finding himself in slavery 
eating pig slop. And all the people who gleaned from and took from the riches of the Father left him, wanted nothing to do with him. And he's there, and the Bible says he comes to his senses. But in the coming to his senses, here is what he came to. This is what often takes place when people are in slavery or in bondage. Instead of wanting the fullness of all that their father can offer, they just want out of slavery. And he goes, listen, I would rather be a slave in my father's house than here. So he goes back home, not wanting to become a son, but wanting to be a slave. And on his way back home, the father doesn't just stand there and go, it's about time, I'm about to teach him a lesson. To show the intention of the father's heart, he ran after him, going, I knew this was going to happen. I knew what was going to take place, and I've been waiting. And he runs, falls on his neck, pours out and lavishes upon him grace after grace, puts a new robe on him, puts a ring on his head, puts sandals on his feet and says, kill the fatted calf, we're partying. You're my son. The ring, you got all authority, you're covered in my, your sandals, everything. You are not a slave. And what is he doing? The son's going, it just keeps getting better. I just wanted to be a slave, but it just keeps getting better. You could have just put a coat on me, but it just keeps getting better. You could have just put feet, sandals, it could have been better. You could have just made me a slave, but now you're giving me a ring. Oh, now you're killing the fatted calf. More, more. Because the Father is not wanting to restore you to slavery. He's bringing you back to His plan and purpose and intention before you. It's this restoration. And everybody is like partying. Except one. Who's outside and not joining in the jam. It's not joining in the song. This older brother is sitting outside, and you would think the father would just go, let him sit outside. No, that's not the father. He goes outside of the party and says, listen, come and join the song of praise. This is my intention. This is my plan. All that I have left is yours, but this is how I would want it to be used. This is my heart. And, and what you see here is two sons. One was lost outside of the house and was found and brought in. The other had always been in the house but was still lost. Because they were both after his inheritance and not after his heart. That's why you can't detach, detach his heart from his inheritance. Why is this important? For way more reasons than I could ever mention, but I'm always searching for ways to try to make this accessible. And yesterday presented me with one of those ideas. 
I was driving in the car with my two younger daughters, actually taking them to get babysat before, before we did RSU, and Aunt Mumsy was going to take them, and we're in the car, and we're driving, and one of my daughters is wanting a gift of sorts. It says, can you get this for me, Dad? And I just go, no. And she makes some comment about wishing she had money of her own to buy it. And I said, you do have money. No, I don't. I said, yeah, everything in my bank account is yours. Everything. It's all yours. Matter of fact, it's not mine. Everything I have is yours and everything you have is mine. It's ours. All of it is ours. And she goes, really? I go, absolutely. I can buy whatever I want. I got millions of dollars is what she said. I didn't correct her, all right? She said, that's right. You have millions of dollars. And Aria's in the back, and she goes, really? Selah, we could go to the dollar store and buy the whole place. Now, didn't correct that. And I said, no, you guys missed it. All I have is yours, but it's not apart from me. It's all. It's all of ours. It's all there. But how... And, and, and they look at me like, you're, you're crazy. And then Selah, or not Selah, Aria in the back seat goes, yeah, that's, that's true. Now, in her words, she's only six. She says, if I buy all this stuff at the dollar store, I might not have enough to take care of my kids. Uh, she's closer to how I would want our money to be taken care of. Because you could take it, all the riches of the world, and go spend it at the dollar store. When you have access to purchasing far greater riches. But when you're only thinking of your benefits, you'll go squander it on cheap things. But when you know the Father's plan and He shares with you His plan and He shares with you His heart. Last week as Pastor Wayne was sharing His heart, this is my intention. This is my plan. I'm bringing all things together. All of this is being brought together in Christ. Heaven and earth were separated and everything, I'm bringing it all back together. I've been separated to you because of sin but because of the work of Christ, the price I've, here's the part that you get to play in that and all of my riches are behind that we're lacking nothing and we go I want to go to the dollar store why some of us are content to have the riches of Christ without the heart of Christ and there might be others who think I've stayed, I've done everything right, but we still don't have his heart.
Because the beauty of what we get in Christ is all He has is ours for the praise of His glorious grace. You, if it couldn't get better, were not just set free from bondage and not just forgiven from sins, although that's enough and that's amazing. He adopted you into His family and He pours out and lavishes kisses of grace all over you. Pours out affection on you and then He goes, let me tell you my plan of what I'm doing. He includes you in his plan. And you're really, how are we going to do that? I have all the riches in the world. And you have all access to that to accomplish this plan. Don't sit outside the party. Join the party of praise. You see, many of us are content to shop for cheap things when we have access to the riches that can only be found in Christ. Church, this wonderful plan that has been set forth before the foundations of the earth that has been predestined If we try to get into these debates on going, well, if God was so good and so powerful, and listen, this is ongoing, then how could he let all this stuff be broken? Well, why could all this stuff be falling apart? If he had this, why wouldn't he do it? And, and, and the struggle with that is we try to go, well, a good father would do this is what he would do. Because we think we know we want to write the narrative. We want to determine what's right and wrong. But I want you to think about this. Here's, the, here's kind of the story to be told. Now, I, I, I hate telling stories just because you go, oh, that's, it, all illustrations fall short. But I want you to think about this. If he's predestined and he has determined, if, if there is this for. Before the foundations of the world, and if this is predestined, you're going, well, then it's his fault. It's his fault. Let's put it in the context of covenant as a father. There are many things that I have done, and I've given gifts to my kids, and I've said, listen, I'm going to give you this, but I can almost script what's going to happen when I give it to them. So some of us would think, well, a good father would lock them in their room and never let them have any sort of temptation, struggle, whatever. A good father would just control and just manipulate and just lock them away. That's a good father. So that they'll never do anything wrong. But what, but what would a loving father, he would for sure say, don't. This is my heart and my intention. There, just think of it this way. This illustration falls short. But let's say I knew if, if somebody was going to go to, one of my kids were going to go to a party, and I knew that if they went to that party, they were going to do something dumb. 
And I warned, I said, don't, don't go, stay, stay with me. And they went. And they did everything that was known and understood beforehand. They did it all. They get arrested, they come back to the house. The cops are going, they vandalized, they did all this and they did all that. And the father goes, I didn't do that, but I'm taking responsibility for that. And I'm paying all of that in Christ. And lavishes them in grace and love and sets them free from the bondage and brings them into this relationship. Like, God is not evil. He doesn't even tempt with evil. But this predestining, this work of foreknowledge shows how good and loving our Father is and what He wants the foundation of our relationship to be. Love. Love. And that in this love, in this grace, in this work of God, we get to see, experience, hear me, be set free, be forgiven. I could stop, but it gets better. I get to be told his heart and his plan. We get to know what he's up to. And we get to be included in that. And he dumps out all of his riches, his inheritance upon us. And we get to be a part of that work. Upon his mission together, and as we're going to talk about next week, he places in us his spirit as a guarantee that it's all going to be completed. This is a good song. You could debate it, you could argue it, or you could join in and sing to the praise of his glory. You could try to come up with another narrative, sit outside the house, or you could see in Christ, all things are being brought together. And the only place all of this is going to be brought together, all that's been separated is going to be brought together, all that has been broken is going to be fixed, all of it is only going to be found in Him. That's why when we come to this table, we every week celebrate and take time to remember Him. And I hope that today, maybe you're like, what? I didn't even know that, but it just keeps getting better. And it calls you to deeper praise and worship. And that as we come to this table and we partake in communion together, we would see that we as his children have been given such a great inheritance. And we're a part of such a great plan. And that we would sit around the table together rejoicing in Christ. So the call is to remember, to worship, 
And that as we remember in worship, Scripture says that becomes the proclamation. That people would see this proclamation that he's coming again. He's making all things new. He's bringing people together. Church, this table is open for us to pray, to praise, to remember, to worship, to proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So let's enter in together. The tables are open for a time of prayer and praise. This podcast was recorded at Redemption Alhambra Village in Phoenix, Arizona. For more information about Redemption Alhambra Village, visit redemptionaz.com.